Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. This table that we've partaken of is a reminder. It is a very clear reminder how much you are loved. And uh, this is something that spiritually healthy people do. They remember the love of God. And they never tire of hearing about the love of God. As a matter of fact, spiritually healthy people are gripped. They're captivated by this incredible love of God. It is what shapes us. It is what changes us and encourages us. And it gives us a proper perspective on this life. That I am loved regardless of what anybody else thinks about me. God loves me. And he sent his son to die for me. And he saved me from my sins. That I am loved. So spiritually healthy people receive this love of God. But it doesn't stop there. Spiritually healthy people also respond back with love to God. It is reciprocated. I receive this love of God and I tell God how much I love him. And last week we started a new series. The DNA, the makeup of what it means to be a healthy believer. What it means to be a healthy church. What does it mean to be healthy in God's eyes? There's a lot of Christians that are not healthy. There's a lot of churches that are not healthy. And God wants us to have optimum health as his children and as a church. And so last week we learned about the greatest purpose in our life. It's foundational. By the way, if you missed it last week, you go to purgatory. No, you don't. (laughs) I I encourage you to get the podcast and go to our website and, and listen to that. Because it is foundational to who we are. It is God's glory alone. That is why you've been created, for God's glory alone. So last week, the purpose of our life. This week, the greatest command in life. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, the first gospel in the New Testament. And Jesus, the setting is Jesus' teaching. And as he's teaching, the people are just astounded. They are just amazed at his depth of wisdom, his ability to answer these trick trick questions by the religious leaders. And and he just silences these guys. He has just silenced the Sadducees with his answer. And now a lawyer, this religious leader, very learned and astute expert in the law, asks a great question. Matthew 22, 35. He asks this question, testing Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this question was debated. It was argued over. It was contemplated for centuries by the Jewish leaders. You have to understand, there were 613 commands in the law. They were divided into two parts, 248 positive, 365 negative. And so he was putting Jesus on the spot, kind of like an ordination council. Pastor Gary, where are you? You know all about ordination councils. They're pressure-filled times when people shoot you full of questions about spiritual issues and doctrine in the Bible. So all eyes are on Jesus and all ears are open to hear how he's going to answer. And they're hoping to catch Jesus contradicting The law of Moses. And the law of Moses are the first five books in the Bible. It's called the Pentateuch. 
And they're hoping to find Jesus guilty of some kind of heresy. And Jesus gives his answer. Without hesitation. What's the greatest command? And look at verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. So the greatest purpose is to glorify God. The greatest command is to love God. Spiritually healthy people love God. And that's the first thing we learn. Love God. Turn to the person next to you and tell them that. Love God. Seems so simple. Would you just love God? And you're going to be okay. Now, this was not a new answer that Jesus gave. As a matter of fact, it is found in the Old Testament, rooted in the truth in the Pentateuch, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This verse and this passage is known as the Shema. It comes from the word meaning hear, which was the first word in the verse. Hear, O Israel. I want you to notice something and understand something about this verse, the Shema. Every Jewish service opens with it. It's recited twice a day by devout Jews. It's the first text memorized by Jewish children. It's placed in mezuzahs on the walls, on the houses, these little metal things, okay? It's placed in the phylacteries of, 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 of the, on the head and on the hand of, of strict Jews. It, this was the Jewish statement of faith, the official creed of Judaism. It's the most familiar, most quoted, most copied scripture in all of Judaism. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. What Jesus is saying is, this is the greatest commandment, the one you already know best. In other words, stop arguing over the word of God, stop debating over the word of God, and start living the word of God out in your life. Religious hypocrites like to argue about verses. They want to debate about passages. And Jesus is telling these guys, this isn't up for debate. Why don't you start living out the word of God in your life? And stop arguing over verses and arguing over doctrine and arguing, arguing, arguing. And don't get me wrong, there are things we need to take a firm stance on. But not this verse. Live out the truth of loving your God. Now, the word for love in Deuteronomy, in this verse, is ahab. And it means a dedication and a commitment out of a choice. I make the choice to love you, God. I make this choice. I am determined. It means a determination to care, to dearly love my God. So that's what it means to love God. I make this choice to love you, to be dedicated to you. I'm determined. Now, the equivalent word for love in the New Testament in this passage in Matthew is agapao. That's the Greek, agape. You've heard of that. It's intelligent. It's purposeful. It is a committed love. So here's the question. Do you love God? Do you love God? Okay, I heard two yeses. Woo, so happy. Boy, some of you really need this message. Do we love God? Yes. Yes. It's easy to say we do. Yes, I'm, I'm dedicated to him, Scott. I'm determined in my love. I am committed to love my God. But do I really understand 
what that means. Do you really grasp the depth and significance of what it really means to love God? Yes, love God. Spiritually healthy people do that. And they love God comprehensively. Say that with me. Love God comprehensively. It means love him with every faculty and capacity of who I am as my whole person. Love God. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Let's dig, let's dig into this. What does that mean? Well, it means decisive love. I make a choice. You shall love. Uh, so, so I've got to be committed to this love for life. I have to make this decision to love my God. There is no turning back. No wife wants a husband to love her some of the time. How many of you ladies want your husband to love you just some of the time? I don't think so. Uh, most of the time. No, you want your husband to love you all of the time. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Till death do us what? That's what a wife wants. That's what a wife deserves. That kind of love from her husband. This devoted, active, ongoing, focused love. It is a committed love. That's what God wants. Now, now, I remember back to the fourth grade. My fourth grade teacher was Mrs. Krasinowski. Oh. Telling you, long brown hair, pretty eyes, Mrs. Krasinowski. I had a crush on Mrs. K, let me tell you. She was just awesome is what she was. And my crush didn't last. There's too many people that have a religious crush on God. It's not committed. It's not devoted. They have this religious crush. The parable of the four soils teaches that. They, they really like God when things are going well in their life. They're all about God when everything seems to be just in place in their life. And then things don't start to work out. And then they're not too sure about God. They're angry at God. They're bitter at God. And why would God allow that? I want you to understand, God isn't interested in Christian crushes. He wants committed love out of his followers, out of his children. It's a decisive love. It's also a wholehearted love. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So this isn't a half-hearted love. This is a love that is just filled up to the top. It's topped off. It's the opposite of like that poor high school or college student who pulls into the gas station and just puts in three bucks <laughs> to get by. You know, when I pull into a gas station, I, I, I fill up the tank. I top it off. I keep squeezing. I keep filling. And, and I will not end until it has an even number on the end of that thing, man. How many of you amen to that? That's right. That's how you fill up the tank, people. For all you OCD people out there. This is the only way to love God. You just fill up your love. You love him with your whole heart. You can't love him enough. And heart means it's this domination of the emotions with sincerest affection. 
I just love God. Now, the importance of all heart love can't be overstated. There's a lot of sick people in this world with serious heart conditions. They have heart disease. There's congestive heart failure. There's irregular heartbeats. There's AFib. And and we have an AED right outside those doors and and down at the other end uh, by the balloon down there in the children's wing. And if we have to take those out and to shock those people back, we've got the ability to do that. Now, There's many spiritually sick people in this world with very serious heart conditions. And you may be here today. You only have half a heart for God. You're not functioning real well. You may be here today and you don't have any heart for God. As a matter of fact, you didn't even want to be at church today. And you stood there the whole time when people were singing like this because you feel like you were forced into church. I'm hoping the word of God helps bring you back. You may be here and you have an irregular heartbeat for God. You're committed this week, but next week you may not be. And last week you certainly weren't the way you were living. And you kind of hit or miss. It's irregular heartbeat. Maybe your arteries are just so clogged with the junk of this world. My prayer is that your heart will be regulated. And you'll start beating for the things of God. And you'll have a whole heart for God. And a consistent heart for God. And a healthy heart for God. This comprehensive love is a decisive love. It's a wholehearted love. It's a soulful love. He says to to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And and this refers to the deepest recesses, the core of our being. And this is not a love that is shallow. It's not peripheral. It's not a love based on sight. 1 Peter 1.8. And though you have not seen him, I have never seen God. Have you seen God? No. Though we've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So we love him with our souls because it's his soul that he loved. He loved our souls and he saved our souls. We love him with our souls. Decisive and wholehearted and soulful love. And next we see it's a mindful love. Love him with all your mind. And the Lord added this aspect of love. Love him with all your mind. It's not fragmented. It's not forgetful. It's focused love. And loving him with our mind, it gives the idea of this intellectual determination and strength. It it, It's a love that directs my thoughts to God and God first. And it includes the idea of training my brain to consider God first. I'm about to make a big decision in my life. Well, what does God say about that? I'm about to make a little decision in my life. Well, how does God feel about that? When I love God, God enters into the equation. With everything I do and everywhere I go, it's developing our minds to think of God most. I'm reading this little booklet right now by a monk 
who lived about 300 years ago. His name was Brother Lawrence. And it's on practicing the presence of God. To practice his presence. He is here. And he is with me. Every day, all day. To love him with my mind. With my thoughts. To wrap my mind around him. And study him. And get to know him. I remember when my wife and I were engaged. Uh, she was living in Indiana. Waitressing at a Shoney's. And I was living in Dallas. I was at Dallas Seminary studying to go into ministry. And we wrote just about every single day. And we would call each other. I mean all the time. And, and I would call her on the phone. And for you younger people, it was this big thing that was on the wall. Okay? <laughs> and it was in Stern's Hall. And the guys on the hall would be so mad at me because I monopolized that, that big thing on the wall. And, and so we would talk all the time. Why would I write her all the time? Why would I talk to her all the time? Tell me why. Because I love her. That's why. I want you to understand, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. You want to talk to them. You want to ask questions of them. You, you want to develop that relationship with them. Do we love God? Do we listen and read his love letters, the Bible, all the time? Do we talk to him all the time? Do we grow in our relationship with our creator and with our God? That's true love. And for some of us here today, we're not loving God like he wants to be loved. It's time to love him like he deserves to be loved with our minds, with our whole hearts, with our souls. And next, it's an energetic love. Say that with me, energetic love. You may say, well, I don't see that anywhere in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. I see love him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. What's this energetic love? Well, it means to love him with all your might or all of your strength. And it's not found in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. It is found in Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love him with all your might. It's found in parallel passages of our Matthew passage in Mark 12 and Luke 10. And, and love him with all your strength. And love him with all your strength. So what does it mean to love God energetically? It means to love him with all of your strength. It means to give God your best. To give God your all. As some of you may have, Anybody here run the Chicago Marathon last week? We got some people. We had some in the early service. Yeah, I've run the marathon. How many of you have run it in the past? Anybody? Okay, we've got some. We've got, we got one. <laughs> anyway, you run a marathon. You run any kind of race. It's 26.2 miles. That's a long way to go. And, and there's times when you run a marathon, you want to quit. And you're thinking, why in the world am I doing this? And, and no doubt you've had friends that have run it or others that have run it. And, 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 and listen you got to push through the pain when you run a marathon. 
You got to push through the cramping and the chafing and the blisters and the discomfort until you cross that finish line. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I ran a um, I ran a hundred mile race in Georgia called the Georgia Jewel, and it's just up and down through the mountains, ninety seven degrees during the heat of the day. It, this is what my feet look like halfway through the race. Okay, I, I mean, isn't that beautiful? I wanted to show you that just in time for lunch. <laughs> I had seven blisters on my feet. I had to rip off my toenail at one point. I mean, it was just bad. Say, how can you run with blisters? You pop them, you drain them, you put band-aids on, and you go back out for another 50 miles, people. That's what you do. You just go. Listen, that's what it means to go and love God with all your strength. You hang in there when life has blistered you. You hang in there when, when the pressure is on and it's so hot. You hang in there and you don't give up because you love God with all your strength. You hang in there and you keep serving God when you want to quit. Because you're a youth worker and some parent got all over you. Or, or some, somebody yelled at you or did something. You're serving at the cafe and somebody complains about the coffee. Or you're a pastor and you get a nasty email. Because the first thing that goes through my mind, oh, they just don't understand. No, that's not the first thing that goes through my mind. On a Monday morning, guess what I'm tempted to do? (laughs) I'm done with you people. That's my carnality coming out. That's your carnality coming out. We just want to quit. Throw in the towel. I saw this the other day. I thought it was pretty good. I threw in the towel. God threw it back and said, wipe your face. You're almost there. And for some of you, that's what God is doing. You wanted to throw in the towel on your marriage. You wanted to throw in the towel on your service. You wanted to throw in the towel on, on doing something for God. And God is throwing the towel right back at you and saying, wipe your face. You're almost there. That's what it means to love God. It means you don't give up on God. You tough it out. To love God with all your strength means you're willing to break a sweat for Jesus. You're willing to break a nail for Jesus. You're willing to serve Jesus. See, the real reason some people don't serve the Lord is honestly, you don't love the Lord. He's not worth your time. He's not worth your energy. He's not worth your days or hours on the calendar. Because you far too much love yourself more than you love God. Let's just deal with reality. That's the real reason why some of us don't serve God. Because he's not worth it. He's not worth it. He died for every one of your sins. He gave his body on the cross. He bled to save you. For eternity. Is he worth it? He's worth it. Love the Lord your God. Love him with all of your strength. You know what else it means? It means be willing to show up to worship. Be willing to show up consistently. The real reason why some of the seats around us are empty... There's people who don't love Jesus. 
in all honesty. It's easy to say we do. But that's the real reason. Because he's not worth the time. He's not worth the energy. He's not worth the hassle on a Sunday morning. That's the real reason for some people. Can I tell you something? He's so worth it. He's so worth any time and energy that I can give. Love God with all your strength. Let me, let me tell you about a very special widow in our church. She's now gone. Her name was Hilda Romine. And she was a sweet, sweet old frail lady in our church. And we would worship in the old sanctuary when she was alive. Where the youth meet now. And she would park her car. And she was so frail. She would slowly walk about 25 to 30 steps. And then she would rest. And then she would walk another 25 to 30 steps. And then she would rest. And then she'd finally come inside the church building. And and just like over here in our building, so it is in that building it was, there was a bench to sit on. And she would make her way inside the church and she would just sit on the bench and rest. And then she would make her way into the church. And where do you think she would sit? She would make her way all the way down and rest. Make her way all the way down and rest. And she would sit where? Right on the front row. Right on the front row. Why? Because she loved God. She loved God with all of her strength. Every single Sunday, she loved God with all of her strength. That's what it means to love God. You give him your all, and you give him your best. Spiritually healthy people, they love God, and they love God comprehensively, and they also love God obediently. Say that with me. Love God obediently. Verse 37 and 38 of Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. This is a command. It's the greatest command. It's the foremost command. It's the most important command. It's priority number one command. It was then and it is now. And you may say, well, Scott, I don't understand. Why would God command us to love him? It doesn't seem like it would be sincere love. Why are we commanded to love God? I believe it's the same reason why a husband is commanded to love his wife. A husband loves his wife, but yet he's commanded to. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why would God command a husband? Do you know why? Because us husbands tend to drift towards selfishness. That's why. Because we tend to take advantage of the one who loves us the most, our wives. And and we tend to forget how important our relationship is with our wife. That God has to command us to love our wives. I think the same is true with all of our love for God. We all tend to drift towards selfishness. 
and take advantage of God, the one who loves us the most. And forget the importance of our relationship to God. There is no one more important in my life than God. And there is no one more important in your life than God. He's more important than your spouse. He's more important than your children. He's more important than your parents. He's more important than your grandkids. I know that's hard to believe. He is. He's number one. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Love him. Don't blame him, love him. Don't ignore him, love him. Don't be ashamed of him, love him. Sad, uh, sad to say this, but there's times that I'm with my wife and we'll be in the foyer of the church or we'll be at a restaurant or we'll be somewhere and we're meeting some people for the first time and introducing each other and, and just getting to know them. And I never introduced my wife. She's just standing there, the most important human in my life. And I forgot to say, oh, this is my wife, Carla, who I've been married to uh, 19 years, 29, 27. <laughs> I know how long, trust me. She's my wife. I forget to introduce her. There is no one more important in my life than God. Please don't ever be ashamed to introduce somebody to your God. God has poured out his love for you. And he deserves so much more. Don't be afraid to introduce people at work to your God. To introduce people in your neighborhood to your God. To introduce relatives or complete strangers to your God. If I ran into a complete stranger for the very first time and my wife is standing next to me, I should introduce my wife to them. Do not be afraid to introduce your God even to a complete stranger. He's the most important person in our lives. He's died for us. He loves us. I want to give you some practical things to remember if we truly love God. What does it mean to truly love God? If I truly love God, I believe I'll love his word. Psalm 119.97, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation. Meditation, how often? Ah, all day long. Can't get enough of it. Psalm 119, 165. Those who love your law have great peace. Nothing causes them to stumble. Boy, if I love God, I'm going to love his word. I'm not only going to love his word, I'm going to keep his word. Very important. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who what? Loves me. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Get the idea here? (laughs) He who does not love me does not keep my words. 1 John 2, by this we know we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, oh, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. God calls it like it is. You tell me you love me, but you don't keep my word, you're a liar. Truth is not in him. Whoever keeps my word, his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we're in him. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not what? 
They're not burdensome. They're good for us. So here's where the rubber meets the road. If you are here today and there is an area in your life that you know you are disobeying God's word, you need to understand you are saying, I do not love God. You can't say that, Pastor. I didn't. God did. And he said it over and over and over and over and over again. So, this is the challenge. Prove your love to God. But you don't know how hard it is, and you don't know what I'm going to have to do, and you don't know how, what I'm going to have to say. His commands are not burdensome. They're good for us. So, prove your love for your God. He's proved his love for you. And do what you know you need to do according to the word of God. Those who love him, love his word. Those who love him, keep his word. Those who love him, trust him in difficulty. Psalm 18, one through three. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Man, I'm gonna trust in God because I love him. You love God, we don't love the world. 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. In the world, it's passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Many things in this world compete for our attention. Many things in this world compete for our love. They're not worth the time of day if they're taking you away from your love for God. Stop being distracted by all the shiny, empty stuff of this world and focus on your love for God. Those who love God hate what is evil. Psalm 97.10. Hate evil, you who love the Lord. And if you really love God, you want to see him. You can't wait to see him. 2 Timothy 4.8. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. My kids are coming at Thanksgiving. Woohoo! Can't wait. Be coming from Georgia, coming from Indiana, coming from Ohio. I can't wait to have my kids here. Why? Tell me. Because I love them. I was talking to my dad on the phone this morning. He calls just about every Sunday morning to let me know he's praying for me before I preach. And we were just talking about how we're so over this world. Can't wait to see God. Can't wait for God to make it all right. Man, can't wait to, to be sinless in his presence. Can't wait to see my Savior. What a day. Those who love God can't wait to see God. And that's a spiritually healthy person. Spiritually healthy. What does it look like? What do we learn today? Number one, love God. Love God, secondly, comprehensively, which means decisive and wholehearted and soulful and mindful with energy and strength. And then lastly, love God obediently. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning, 
or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.